As you're turning to your Bibles to Second uh, Corinthians chapter two verses five through eleven, I, I want to tell you something about your Bibles, your Word of God. I believe that the Bible is God breathed. Okay, it is inerrant. Okay, it is authoritative, and it is absolutely perfect and true. Included in that would be the index. Okay, you will need your index today. Okay, I will try to talk slow and repeat myself, but that is a shortcoming of mine, and it doesn't happen, so you're on your own. (laughs) Okay, but uh, there's a lot of things that I want you to look at in this text, and I don't want you to write them down and say, I'll look at them later. I mean, you can write them down and look at them later. (laughs) Okay, but I want you to look at them with me today. So I may take a little slower, but every once in a while, I just get so excited. I'll do my best. Second Corinthians chapter two, verses five through 11. Let us pray. We will need it. Father, help us to have ears to hear and eyes to see. Father, may our hearts receive this massive treasure. Father, may we be overwhelmed with your love. May we be overwhelmed with your mercy and your grace. And Father, may we, who are called by your name, walk in a manner worthy of the high calling of the Lord Jesus Christ on our souls. Father, please help us to see. Please help us to hear. And please help us have clarity to rejoice in you and you alone. In Christ's name, amen. Chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. But if any has caused sorrow, he has caused sorrow not to me, but in some degree, in order not to say too much to all of you, sufficient for such a one is this punishment which was inflicted by the majority, on that, so that, on the contrary, you should rather forgive and comfort him, otherwise such a one might be overwhelmed by excess of sorrow. Wherefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. For to this also I wrote, so that I might put you to the test, whether you are obedient in all things. But one whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Christ. So that no advantage should be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes." Okay, what we're looking at is a text where the Apostle Paul is dealing with a man in the congregation in Corinth who has come against Paul. Okay, this person was known by the Apostle Paul, uh, and, and, and I can show you, and we'll look at it in detail in the weeks to come, that um, this man verbally, publicly attacked the Apostle Paul in the congregation, and the way I'm kind of gathering it is he literally did it to his face publicly. Uh, and, and what really hurt the Apostle Paul, one is that he did it. Two is no one defended him. All right. And we've already looked, and those of you who want to go back a few years, at the arrogance that existed in the church in Corinth. 
Uh, we've looked at it in depth that, that they had perverted the spiritual gifts. They were suing each other in civilian court, secular court, over who knows what the issues. Um, they had perverted the role of man and woman. They had perverted the role of marriage. Uh, they were, some were saying that single is better. Some were saying that married was better. Uh, they had perverted the, 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 what we would call potlucks. They had perverted the Lord's table. And all of this is based on an arrogance. And yet in that arrogance, when the apostle Paul confronted them, they wouldn't defend him. And, and, and this really hurt him. But what has happened is, I am sure that when he left, I believe that in between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, there was another letter that was written called the severe letter. Okay. And before the severe letter was delivered by Titus, I believe that Paul made an appearance. He showed up very short trip to Corinth to try to confront the issues after writing 1 Corinthians. All right. That was when he was publicly um, embarrassed, I guess, is a term you could use or publicly scolded by this person, this man. Okay, Paul would have said, you do not receive an accusation against an elder unless you have two or three witnesses. Okay, and you have to deal with this man. Okay, because what happens is, um, and, and, and it is alive and flourishing in the body of Christ today, is that we have fan clubs. Okay, and you make one person offended, they're going to immediately try to draw allies so that they can have a fan club. I've literally had people who have come to my face and said, I will wait you out. Try that one. Okay, I had people at one time in my ministry here in this church who had spread it through the Sunday school classes. You can't affirm this man. And they were trying to get everybody to leave the Sunday school class and not come to the worship service. Okay, because they will try to grab allies. And if I can discredit you in some way, and what they were doing with the Apostle Paul was to discredit him on he hasn't come back and visited us like he said he was going to come back. Therefore, if he can't keep his word on things like travel, then how do we know that his message is true? Okay, see, it wasn't like they had the New Testament to compare Paul's preaching to what the New Testament said. Paul was in the process of writing it. (laughs) All right. And when a person is confronted, their normal response is anger. And retaliation. All right. But what I've showed you, and I, we looked at it in depth last week, was that when there is forgiveness, there are seven blessings that comes to the person doing the forgiving. And the first one is it defects pride. We looked at this last week. Or self-pity. When you are assaulted, it's poor pitiful me. They hurt my feelings. Do they not understand the pain and the suffering that I have for these people? And they would accuse me of such a thing. Oh, mercy. Okay. And you will get your fan club come along and says, I just can't believe they treated you that way. And the whole time you're sitting there going, thank you. Thank you. But if you have true forgiveness, then it completely deflects it. I don't have to worry about it. It isn't my pride. It isn't my issue. 
Okay, And that's what he said there in verse 5. I caused sorrow. He caused sorrow not to me. Why? See, that immediately diffuses it. He didn't cause sorrow to me. He didn't cause sorrow to me. Which brings me to the second one. Okay, forgiveness. Now, I'm not talking about you walk up to somebody and say, hey, you know, I just want you to know I forgive you. Have you ever run into them kind of people? You know, that person has offended me. I need to go tell them I forgive them. Really? You really believe that that's necessary? Okay, what is that? That's an ego trip. I need to tell you I forgive you. Why? Just cause. Okay, why don't you just show it? Why don't you just show it? Okay, because the actions will speak louder, and that's what is next. It shows mercy. Mercy. Okay? This verse here, verse 6 that we're looking at, sufficient for such a one is this punishment, which was inflicted by the majority. Stop right there. This kind of fills in a little bit more of verse 5. Okay, there was sorrow here. And Paul wasn't worried about him being offended. He was worried about the churches dealing with the offense and that it was causing problems in the church. This church already had schism problems. Okay, you know, I am of Paul. Oh, I am of Apollos. Oh, I am of Peter. Oh, I am of Christ. Dude, when you got a church doing that thing there, you can see a big unity problem. <laughs> right? There's so much unity there, they don't even know how to spell it. And what he's trying to do in here in verse 6 is, you know what? This guy has had enough. Back off. Back off. I want to be real clear about this one because uh, this one here, uh, I watch people and I have dealt with people and there has been times in this body of, of believers um, that we have had to deal with non-repentance okay and um and and i it just isn't as much fun as people seem to think it is okay but let me tell you something about repentance you can't mistake in it please understand that when someone or if you confess your sins he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins okay When I confess my sins, I'm looking at a situation or an issue, and I said, yep, that's sin. Okay, that's what it means. It doesn't mean, I'm going to go tell Terry, I'm going to confess. I don't want you to come and confess to me. I have a whole list of my own that I have to confess. Okay, it keeps me busy. All right. But if you confess your sins, you're saying in light of the word of God, what God has shown me, this is an offense against God. Okay. If that is taken place, there will be repentance. Okay. And what I mean by repentance is they will move in the opposite direction. That is visible. You will see it happen. Okay, now then, here's what happens. Well, for how long? And uh, you missed it. If they say, yes, it's sin and they change directions, then it's good. Enough. Well, but I don't know if I should trust him. And never does it tell me that I'm supposed to trust him. He who says he's without sin calls God a liar. All right. If the person says, you know what? You're right. That's a sin. I'm changing direction. Then you forgive. But what if they do it again? I'll ask you what Peter asked. 
Is it seven times or seven times 70? I'll ask you a simple question. How many times has God forgiven you of repeated sin? Now, I want you to hang on to that thought. Okay, because that's going to be one that's going to come back around and in some cases may bite you. All right. The guy has had enough. Back off. All right. Show him mercy. Why? You who have received mercy. All right. So let's begin our great conquest. Matthew's gospel, chapter 18, beginning at verse 23. You remember this parable? Some of you remember when I taught Matthew. <laughs> that was a few months ago, wasn't it? 18.23. For this reason. What reason is that? Um, Jesus is speaking of forgiveness. Peter has asked him. How often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven? So there's your context. He says, verse 23, for this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And one of them, when he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Do you know what how much 10,000 talents is? That would be as if Amy owed the national debt. If Amy lived 1,000 lifetimes, she doesn't have to worry about paying that debt. She ain't going to get it. Okay? You start hearing numbers thrown out for our national debt. Trillions of dollars. If you take $1 trillion, let me tell you how the number works. $1 trillion. All right? How much is that? If you would have started spending $1 million a day at the birth of Christ till today, you can't spend a trillion dollars. A million dollars a day for 2,000 plus years cannot make a trillion dollars. All right, let me show you what it says here. Okay, 23. So this guy comes before the king and he owes a whole ton bunch of money. All right. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all the land and repayment to be made. And you know what the slave said? Fell on the ground, prostrated himself before him and says, have patience with me. I will repay you everything. And the Lord Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave the debt. Forgave the debt. Okay? But that slave went out, found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. You know what that is? Pocket change. Okay? hundred denarii. He seized him, began to choke him, say, pay it back what you owe me. So... His fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, I will repay you. But he was unwilling. And he went and threw him in prison until he could pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved. And they came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. And then summoning him, his Lord said, You wicked slave. 
I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger and handed him over to the torturers until he would repay all that was owed him. My heavenly father will do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. You got that? Let me tell you something. Every single one of you in this room at some point, or I pray at some point, will fall on your face, prostrate before God and say, you know what? I owe you what I can't pay. And at that point in time, how much is forgiven? You know what all of it means? Even that that you ain't spent yet. Now then, to what degree do you show mercy? To the degree that it is not spent yet? An incredible debt. And the king, king forgave him. Okay? You who live by mercy better know how to pass it out. Better know how to pass it out. Okay? Paul says, that's enough. Okay? What he's saying is, this man has agreed that what he did was sin. All right? In confessing the sin, he has repented. All right? You know what? Do you understand that confessing the sin and changing directions is sufficient? Do you understand that? I didn't hear an amen or nothing. So I'll make another point. <laughs> okay. See the word there? Sufficient for such one is this. And it says punishment in the New American Standard. Epitimia. Epitimia. Punishment. Um, it's only used here in the New Testament. Um, but outside of scriptures, it's used a lot. And it speaks of a legal penalty. Have you ever heard a court case that says, um, if found guilty, this is the sentence? Okay. Okay. That's what is the punishment. Okay. That is epitomia. Okay. Um, and it, 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 it's used in outside of the scriptures to speak of a, a court action. A court, and it's it's done actually in 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 accounts of what you would call commercial sanctions. Uh, you know, we're not allowed to sell computers to certain people. That's a commercial sanction. Um, it, it refers to uh, putting a sanction on a city or a nation. Okay, and it's a, a, a court ordered. Don't do this. Action. Um, so when he uses this phrase here, in in Second Corinthians, it indicates that this is not personal vengeance. This isn't somebody going to get a pound of flesh out of this, all right? Uh, it, it's it's not it's it's not the idea of let me inflict pain on this person. Um, it, 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 it's it, it it's used because it, it's it's dealing with an attitude 
And it's indicative of the attitude that because of A, B takes place. Okay? It's like if you put your finger on, the, on, the, on a piece of wood, okay? And you take a hammer and you smack it, something's going to happen. Right? And you can, and you know what? It'll happen every time. Won't it? Little dirty words that come rolling out your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) You will have punishment. Right? I mean, you did it and you knew it and boom, there it was. And, 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 and we, we've seen it. If you've ever had kids, you, you've seen kids every once in a while. You say, if you do this, you're going to bust your butt and you can watch the little brain saying, might be worth it. Or maybe you guys didn't raise kids like that. I had kids that were like that. Let's see. See, the spanking's only going to hurt for a minute. It might be worth it. I'm just good. Let's give her a shot and see. What Paul uses here, this is very significant. He went through deep due process. This wasn't a bunch of people who said, you know what? That person over there is a meanie. Okay. There was a process that went through. The process was this. He was confronted. Someone said, hey, what you did was sin based on the word of God. Repent. There was no repentance. So the person went back with two or three witnesses and said, what you did was sin. Repent. And the person didn't repent. So it was brought to the church. And the majority, he says there at the end of verse 6, said, what you did was sin. So repent. They told the church. So it was official. It was formal. And the majority indicates that it had reached the whole church and that the church had gotten involved. All right. And so now this guy is outside of the church. He doesn't have the protection of the saints. He doesn't have the counsel of the saints. He doesn't have the comfort of the body of Christ. They had had exercised a just penalty on this man. Um, Disfellowship. Disfellowship. They had absented him from the church. He was not allowed the fellowship of the saints. He was not allowed to partake of the Lord's table. They had majority followed the process. It's a formal process. It's an official process. And they have placed the man under this penalty. Listen, this is not vindictive. This is not vengeance. Okay. Um, this, this is not a vindictive attitude. And I, we've all run into them. You know them people who are going to get even. I'll get even with you. Okay. So in regards to this man, they had followed the process that the Lord Jesus Christ had given us in Matthew 18. Set them outside of the church. Okay. Well, what does this entail? I thought you'd never ask. Okay. Uh, Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse six. 
We command you, brother, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life and not according to the traditions which you have received from us. Okay, traditions which you have received from us. That would be the foundations of the faith. That'd be what you and I know as the New Testament. What does it say? Anybody who claims to be a brother or sister in Christ who has an unruly life, what are you supposed to be? Separate them. Separate them. Well, what does it mean to separate? I thought you'd never ask. Verse 14. Anyone who does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of that person. Do not associate with him so that he will be put to shame. Okay. Do you know what it means to do not associate with him? I don't spend time. Okay. Be put to shame. Now listen, you put them to shame. They're not an enemy. But they are out of the fellowship. They refuse to listen to what the word of the Lord says. Don't associate with them. Don't associate with them. See, they used to have a thing that the rabbis call it. Um, and, and when a person in the synagogue refused to submit to obedience to the teaching of scriptures, they said their sin was bound to them. Okay. Um, in this case, what you're looking at is the, the sin has been bound to you. All right. Uh, the Corinthians were going through the pattern and they had put the man outside of the, 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 the church. Okay. Because the man was literally bound in sin. Okay. Now, I don't know specifically what the sin was, but everybody else did. And Paul did. And when people are bound in sin, it is extraordinarily difficult for them to repent. Okay. Now then. Back to Matthew 18. Matthew 18. Verse 15. Okay. Now. In the Thessalonian text. Remember he said. A brother. Okay. That is someone who's taken the name Christian. Alright. Here. Verse 15. Jesus says. If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. Okay? You know what that means? Let me explain that to you. It does not mean that you catch somebody in a sin and you call me and tell me to pray for him. Okay? You catch somebody in sin, you, in private, say, hey, according to the word of God, that's sin. Okay? If he listens, you've won your brother. If he does not listen to you, take two or three witnesses so that so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact can be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses even to listen to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth. See, there's that Jewish mindset that says when you are in sin, you are in chains. You are bound. 
Now, one of the things that I have learned is that the church and individuals in the church are exceptionally good at binding. They do it with a vigor, a zeal, an emphasis. And you know what? I don't have any problem with that. Because I want you to read the rest of it. What you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Okay? Now, I am convinced that nobody's Bible stops right there. Is there not a conjunction? This is where we get into trouble. Yes, if it is bound, it is affirmed by the congregation here that it is a sin. Then heaven says, Amen. Okay? And whatever you loosen on earth shall be loosed in heaven. There is where we struggle. We haven't got a clue what loosening is. Because if the person says, you know what, you're right. That's a sin. And you know what? I need to change directions. Will you help me walk? You know what we do? No, let's tighten it up. I haven't got a memo from heaven that says I can loosen you yet. Tell me I'm wrong. Whatever you affirm as the congregation here is affirmed as the congregation of the heavenlies. Did you know that? Do you understand that if you confront a sin to the point that it is brought before the whole church and the person is disassociated, do you understand heaven says correct? Remember what he's going to say. He says, I was checking your obedience. Were you going to deal with this? See, they'd already dealt with this once earlier in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 4, where a man had had his father's mother. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It was probably stepmother, but still, it's got a side order. Yeah. Okay. And the church had refused to deal with it. Okay. And they were touting it as this great freedom. Paul makes the statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Hey, the Gentiles don't do that. Okay, and the congregation had acted. They'd come together, they'd affirmed it, they'd put him out. Okay, now listen, there's a possibility that in this congregation, in dealing with this severe letter and this man who had embarrassed the Apostle Paul, that the Paul party, the Paul fans, wanted a little more flesh. You know, they attacked the founder of our church. We don't even exist if Paul doesn't bring us, if Paul doesn't submit as the instrument of Jesus Christ to come and deliver us the gospel. And you attacked him publicly? You attacked him to embarrass him? You wanted to discredit the character of the Apostle Paul? You're not done. I see at least seven years of penance need to be going here. But whatever and whenever the person repents, then that person is loosed from their sins. So when we start dealing with this issue, 
we need to understand that there is a time that a person will be bound to their sins. Listen, you know one of the things that I've seen about sin? You don't have to bind them. Did you know that? Sin has a wonderful ability to do it without your help. And the whole reason that you confront the sin is to try to get them loosened. But we want to, hey, let's put it on at seven years of penance. I know that you have to be at church every day. And when this, you have to shovel the parking lot all winter, four years. Okay. And then we'll bring you before the commission. And you sit there and go, what? See, one of the things that you and I need to pay attention to, especially when it comes to forgiveness, okay? Forgiveness has its basis in mercy. How much mercy have we been shown? How much mercy... Have you shown? That's what the Apostle Paul's getting at right here. Paul's saying enough is enough. Let me show you another text that I just really dig to. Uh, Galatians chapter 6. Principle is very simple. Look at this. Brethren. You know what that means, right? Save people. (laughs) Brethren. Chapter 6, verse 1. I'm sorry. I got excited and... I didn't repeat it. Forgive me. <laughs> you will deflect your pride and show me mercy. <laughs> Chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if anyone, did you see that part? Is caught. You know what that means? Bound. Chained. In what? Any trespass. You who are spiritual... Restore such a one. Did you get that? Did you see what he said there? He didn't say bind them. He didn't say chuck something on their back and see if they can get out from under that. He didn't say give them seven years of penance to see what happens. You know, if they would just tithe for six months, I bet you that we'll forgive you. You who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of what? Gentleness. Okay, each one doing what? Looking to yourselves so that you too will not be tempted. See, restore with gentleness. Why? Because you could be in the same situation. That's what it says. He says who's out sin cause God a liar. If not for grace, there would I go. And you know what? I have seen this so many times where the people come in and they think they're so spiritual and they just crank it up. Listen, a saint of God caught in sin knows that they're caught in sin. They are already bearing guilt. They are already bearing shame. It is already there. Well, they don't act like it. Trust me. You are not the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit says his first ministry is to convict of sin. I'm thinking he probably got that figured out. I have seen the saints who are caught in it. 
They act like they're not caught in it. Well, it isn't that big a deal. And you watch them and you say, yeah, right. I can see the joy of your salvation just oozing everywhere. And we think, well, I'm going to go over and bind them. And you know what? When I read this text, if I go back to the original language, I'll find out it says you bear this burden. And he literally, verse 2, bear one another's burden. It literally means to come up under a donkey whose load is crushing it and it's ready to buckle it. And you get up underneath it and you lift it up with your back and you hold it until the strength comes back. Now then, anybody want to be spiritual? Because he says the only ones that even should walk in that venue had better be spiritual. Why? Because they better know whatever they're dealing with, they're not immune from. And I don't care what it is. And we restore with gentleness. There's nothing harsh. There's nothing unloving about this. And yet I watch people saying, well, you know, how long do I trust them? You know, I haven't found a verse that says that I trust them. The only thing that I have ever found is you restore. If the person comes to you and says, you know what? What I did was sinful and I am so sorry. Then you take it as they have confessed it and they have repented. And you walk in restoration and gentleness. That's not that complicated. Why? We want them to be loosened. Loosened. Except the repentance, brothers and sisters, that is enough. Well, Terry, okay, move over one book. Chapter 4 of Ephesians. 4 of Ephesians. Chapter 4 of Ephesians, verse 32. I would really like... For each and every one of us to think about this verse for the rest of our days. Okay, look what it says. Verse 32, chapter 4 of the letter to the Ephesians. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving each other. Does yours stop there? Well, because Paul says, in case you're wondering what kindness is and tenderhearted is and forgiving is, he says, let me give you an illustration. Just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. When you bowed before the cross of Calvary and you say, oh, wretched man that I am. Did God say? What is the qualifier of his forgiveness? He says your sins are as far as the. As far as the east is from the west. Why? Because when you came to the cross, you knew that you had sinned against the holy God and you owed a debt that you had no ability whatsoever to pay. And you knew that. And all you knew is that you wanted forgiveness. And you knew that he offered forgiveness and help. And you know what? 
We all stand and bear witness. And yet, has anybody here stumbled since they came to salvation? That's a fun word, isn't it? I stumbled. No, dude, you sinned. Well, it was a stumbling sin. You know, if I hadn't fallen down the steps, I wouldn't have said those words. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Isn't that right? Okay, did he, he say, ah, ha, 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 you ain't forgiven for that one. No, and he says here, I want you to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. When you came to Christ and he says, seven years of repentance and I'll give you forgiveness. Did he say, you know what? I do want to forgive you, but you haven't really suffered enough pain yet. I'll put you through a little more pain and then I'll forgive you. But it says, I want you to be as God in Christ has forgiven you. You need to suffer for a little while and then I'll forgive you. When you came with a broken heart and you repented, God forgave instantaneous, completely total forgiveness on the spot from that point forward forever. Exactly how are we to forgive one another? Same way God in Christ forgave us. Colossians chapter 3 verse 13. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Bearing with one another, forgiving one another, each one just as the Lord has forgiven you. Okay, let me give you one more. Chapter 12 of Hebrews, verse 11. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, <laughs> but sorrowful. Hebrews 12, 11. Yet those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Anybody here been trained And are bearing forth the fruitful, the fruit of righteousness? If you say yes, then read on. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. And make straight paths for your feet. So that the limb that is lame, as literally means disjointed, may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. You got that? When discipline brings righteousness, then you are now in the position, the spiritual one, you who are spiritual, you are in the, in the position to strengthen. Bring the man back, give him strength, give him acceptance, take the limb that is out of joint, put it back in joint. Don't let the root of bitterness develop. And I know none of us have ever dealt with that. You know what I see in that? How God-like is that? How Christ-like is that? The man came in and he pleaded prostrate before the king and said, I have a debt and I can't pay this. And he says, you know what? It's covered. 
I forgive you. And then the man went out and for a few pennies put a guy in debtor's prison and God came back. The picture that you see there and says, I will train you in forgiveness by your suffering. I wonder how many in the body of Christ today are suffering only because God is chasing them for the lack of forgiveness in their heart. You know, one of the things that I have learned, and I will tell you, it was the hard way, is I had to learn how to forgive. You receive mercy. You need to learn to give mercy. See, just in these two little verses in Corinthians, the blessings of forgiveness in the attitude of true forgiveness, one, it deflects our pride. Our self-pity. Two, I have the ability to show the mercy that has been shown to me. That's very Christ-like. Guess what? Five to go. Five to go. The true sons of the Father will abide and walk in mercy and forgiveness. My prayer for this church has been, since I moved into this text, may we be impossible to offend. May we be impossible to offend. Because if we are, we carry no self-pity. There will be no marriages. Let me ask you a question. I'll just close with this. How about your marriage? How about your co-workers? How about the parent-child relationship. Mine were gone, but they keep coming back. <laughs> so. But have you ever thought about that? We are relationship-based humans, beings, creatures. That's all we are. And yet, how many times do we let a root of bitterness get in between us and a, a relationship? And you know what? It can be our It can be our spouses, it can be our children, it can be our parents. And yet the parable in Matthew 18 says that there was an unpayable debt, and in that unpayable debt, guess what? It was forgiven. Shall we pray? Father, may we be known as people who cannot be offended. May it be impossible. And Father, yet I understand that even teaching this sets us up. So, Father, help our unbelief. Help our faithlessness. That, Father, we may walk worthy of this great calling of people forgiven. People forgiven. And a people who forgive. Father, understanding that sin does bind. And yet, Father, we have been given a ministry of loosening. Father, we who are spiritual, if any be, let us bear the burdens on guard that we too can stumble. Help us, Father, to walk side by side, bearing with each other in tenderness, in restoration, in gentleness, just as God in Christ 
forgave us. To your glory and praise, amen.